I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10.3. Despite repeating the mantra that pollution isn't free and promising big rebates for Canadian families, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's carbon tax has been met with fierce resistance from high-profile Conservatives across the country. Premiers in four provinces, plus the federal Conservative leader and Alberta's opposition leader, have formed something of a loose coalition to hammer Trudeau over his climate plan. Today, we look at how this opposition took shape, what's at stake for the Prime Minister, and how this debate shapes next year's election. It's Tuesday, November 20th. Before I dive into the Conservative tax fight of 2018, I want to let you know that we love to hear from you. So reach out to me at dbreakenridge at postmedia.com if you have any questions or comments, or just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe icon. You know, because news is important to you. We are putting a price on pollution because we want less pollution and putting a price on it actually reduces pollution. At the same time, we are putting money in the pockets of Canadians to help them uh, through uh, the fight against climate change because we know that Canadians expect real action. Tyler Dawson is a reporter with the National Post. So Tyler, when it comes to the federal carbon tax, Justin Trudeau isn't just facing opposition from the other side of the house. He's facing uh, he's got a lineup of provincial politicians taking shots at him. So who has taken up this fight? Yeah, so you've got Jason Kenney, the opposition leader in Alberta. A clear message to Premier Notley and her close friend and ally, Justin Trudeau, scrap your carbon tax. You have Scott Moe in Saskatchewan. That we would uh, first and foremost like to see the carbon tax uh, removed. You have Doug Ford in Ontario. It's, it's really, my friends, the worst tax ever. And Blaine Higgs in New Brunswick, I believe. And you also kind of sort of have Brian Pallister in Manitoba. It is a little bit unclear where that government stands on some of these things, but okay. he, he can probably be included in that mix as well. What is it about Manitoba where there's a little bit of maybe, well, maybe not? Manitoba hasn't said whether or not they're going to go to court on their own. And what they're going to do with regards to the reference cases, um, I, I believe they are hedging towards not getting involved, but there could be their own reference case of some sort. So their their powder is still dry, maybe. Premier Brian Pallister has spoken out against the federal carbon tax. He's not a fan of the government's climate strategy. Is that correct? Is yeah, that fair to say? Yeah, that's right. Um, there was sort of a made Manitoba plan for a long, long time, and Pallister's government sort of abruptly pulled out of that. Um, a little while back. Um, And he was sort of a nominally maybe a conservative ally of the government on this and sort of reportedly this was not something that he was particularly fond of. And so that's that's no longer the plan in Manitoba. So it sort of remains to be seen what role he's going to have in all this. So we have three premiers who who are definitely not a fan, two who have launched court cases that will be here in 2019, and then an Alberta opposition leader who could be premier in six months' time, who has said um, he's going to repeal Alberta's carbon tax if he wins and could potentially fight any plan by the feds to impose a carbon tax on Alberta. So how do we see this coalition come together, as loose as it may be? So for a long time, Saskatchewan was the sort of sole vocal opponent of this. When Brad Wall was premier, he was very outspoken against the carbon tax. 
in Alberta, uh, at the time you had sort of the Wild Rose and the PC party before Jason Kenney returned and united them that were, you know, maybe a little bit squishy on the carbon tax. There there was maybe a form of it they could get behind. There was maybe a, a time that they could get behind it, that sort of thing. So the way the story sort of unfolds is that last February at the Manning Conference, sort of this big conservative get-together party in Ottawa, um, uh, uh, Jason Kenney sat down with Scott Moe, the new premier of Saskatchewan, and they sort of hashed out a plan kind of about what they thought they could do to resist this and who they needed to talk to. And they sort of agreed that Ontario was the target as the most populous province. And then this was right around the time that Patrick Brown, who was the leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservatives, his uh, career imploded, shall we say, and he was replaced. And Jason Kenney put in some phone calls and talked to Doug Ford and Carolyn Mulroney and Christine Elliott. And very, very quickly, the Ontario PCs came out against the Ontario cap and trade plan and the federal carbon tax plan. Um, and since then, Ford has been very loud and bullish on this in public and is causing a lot of headaches. So, you know, whether that whether this plan was really sort of born in the West, I don't know if that's entirely accurate mm-hmm. in, in the sense that I don't think there's any puppet master behind this whole thing. But certainly um, Saskatchewan and... Alberta have kind of been allies on this for a long time and are seeing it, you know, come together across the country. Now, what are the main points that these premiers and opposition leaders are saying that they don't like about the federal carbon tax plan or carbon pricing in general? What is it they're not fans of? Well, they first of all, they think it won't work to help the environment. Secondly, they think that it's a tax on sort of regular behavior, as in we live in a cold country, you live in a big country, you have to drive, you have to heat your house. So it's an unavoidable tax. They want to discourage us from doing something that politicians don't approve of, like heating our homes. They also think, in particular in regards to Alberta, that it makes it an uncompetitive environment by adding taxes to business and corporations and stuff like that that might choose to do business here. And, And then there's the idea that this is just solely a tax grab, just one more way to make life unaffordable. And so when the Trudeau Liberals announced they were going to give rebates back, that was, you know, maybe designed to counteract that a little bit. But on the flip side, that then fuels the narrative that this isn't really about the climate, because why would you give the money back Mm -hmm. if it was about the climate? So there's sort of a handful of, you know, overlapping Venn diagram kind of arguments. The Liberals, however, counter that argument that it's not really about the climate by saying, well, you're not getting rebates based on your emissions. You're getting a rebate regardless. And so there's still an incentive to cut your emissions up front. And then you get a check at the end anyway, regardless, right? That's kind of the argument that they're spinning. Sure, that is a a fair argument. But I think then that would come back sort of this idea that, well, how do I reduce my consumption if I'm a rural resident and there's no transit, Mm -hmm. you know, between... Pinoca and Edmonton or something. You're just getting hit on it regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just the tax that these guys are opposed to, or are they opposed to other emissions reductions plans? Have, you know, have they offered up anything by way of an environmental plan? Short answer is probably not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jason Kenney has spoken a little bit about sort of technological solutions to emissions and climate change specifically with the, with the idea that these could be developed in Alberta and then sold wherever people were trying to reduce emissions. But I think it would be a pretty fair criticism of Canada's conservatives, provincial and federal, that they 
do not have super well-defined articulated climate change plans. Not that I've seen anyways. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they don't exist somewhere. Yeah. And in in terms of some of them, you know, Andrew Scheer, he's not uh, prime minister yet. We still have about a little less than a year till the next election. He has some time theoretically to draw up his own plan to say, I don't like the carbon tax. If I'm elected, I'm going to kill the carbon tax. And here's what I'm going to do instead. Jason Kenney also has a bit of time, but Doug Ford and Higgins uh, out east and Brian Pallister have all been elected and they still don't necessarily, and sorry, um, and Scott Moe as well. They don't have very well-defined plans that they're talking up. Is that fair to say? Or I, th- I think so, which, I mean, this is good politics in, in many ways as much as it's about policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly a lot easier to sell an opposition to a tax as opposed to articulate some sort of plan to help reduce our emissions and, and climate change just in simple messaging terms and the fact that this is all kind of complicated stuff. Um, that, you know, there are some places that these people could maybe look. I mean, you've got, I think Prince Edward Island is one place that has sort of a maiden PEI plan mm-hmm. that is not a carbon tax, but it is a green plan of some sort. And I'm, I'm sketchy on the details and there's not that many people in PEI. So it's a different kind of circumstance, yeah. but, uh, there, there are not many ideas out there and there really probably should be. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, do you suppose you, you mentioned this is good politics or good politicking that this is for their own political benefit or to the benefit of helping elect an ally in Ottawa? You drum up a lot of opposition locally in your own province and help Andrew Scheer, who, you know, to be fair, hasn't exactly captured the hearts and minds of Canadians to a great extent. Yeah, I think it's both. I think there's a a local resonance to this issue that they are tapping into in a local resentment. But one of the UCP sources I talked to, he was pretty clear and said, you know, look, this is one of the things we need to do is try and get Andrew Scheer elected. Because if all these other ways of resisting and opposing the carbon tax fail, a conservative government in Ottawa is maybe your last best shot at it. So it's a, it's a bit of both, but certainly it's the carbon tax polls relatively poorly not as poorly maybe as some conservative politicians would like people to think, but but it's very good politics, certainly in Alberta. And will it be as good a politics for Andrew Scheer? Probably not as good, but it's still a pretty easy policy to oppose for a conservative politician. So Saskatchewan, Ontario have cases going to court next year. When do they hit uh, court? They are in February and April. Um, I can't quite remember which is which, but uh, the reference courses court cases, sorry, to the courts of appeal. Um, and, and they're basically uh, asking the courts to weigh in on whether or not the federal government has the constitutional authority to impose a tax of this sort on provinces that don't want it. And that is a argument that is not uh, guaranteed to succeed, not guaranteed to fail either. But there's certainly some debate about who has the upper hand in it. Manitoba had uh, got a legal opinion from a law professor about this time last year. And the conclusion was, nope, sorry, the federal government does have the authority to do this. And it sort of suggested that these challenges were doomed to fail. So it is possible that this um, this battle is not going to go the way that the carbon tax opponents would like it to. If Manitoba's uh, advice is correct, and yes, the, the feds, as you know, they like to impose taxes on us, we have excise taxes on alcohol, we have GST, we have uh, sales taxes, we have um, income taxes, if they're able to impose taxes on us, 
and there's a chance that Ontario and Saskatchewan's cases won't go forward. What is the point of of trying to take this route? Well, it, it keeps it sort of a topic of conversation, I think. And and a uh, source in Ontario that I spoke with said that was part of the purpose of this, that this is maybe a long shot fight, but that there's real value in attempting to keep this in the news, keep people talking about it. Maybe you'll win, but really it's it's to keep people thinking about it. Um, and interestingly, Brian Jean, the former Wild Rose Party leader, I spoke to him and, and it, it didn't make it into the story, but we just chatted about it. And he said, you know, one of the strategic things that I think these guys should be doing is shopping around for the most favorable court. Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to start losing these things right up front. Um, you'd be best, he thought, to try and secure a, a favorable court of appeal, whether that's in Alberta or elsewhere, and you know, put all your eggs into that basket, so to speak. But if the the tax doesn't apply in provinces that already have their own carbon plan, they are kind of limited to where they can launch these challenges, correct? Is that a concern? Yes, I think that is correct. I mean, I, I also think in theory, the Alberta government could ask for a reference on the federal tax since it will in theory come into play here in the future. Oh, as the federal tax goes higher than yeah, Alberta's tax. Yeah, because Rachel okay. Notley had said that at some point the Alberta government's going to get out of the federal plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is sort of when the Alberta rates reach a certain height and the federal rates reach a certain height and they sort of overlap and how that all exactly shakes out, I'm a little unclear. But it is in theory the case, should the NDP win the next election, that um, an NDP government conceivably will be in the same position as Scott Moe's government and and Doug Ford's in saying no to the federal carbon tax. Which is a whole other whole other side and layer to this weird story. Definitely. I know there's a lot of uh, threads to pull on this. Uh, Tyler, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we hop on over to Ottawa to take a look at what the carbon tax fight means for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Conservative leader Andrew Scheer as we march toward the 2019 election. The National Post launched 20 years ago to be a distinctive and surprising voice in the media landscape. Though much has changed over the past two decades, what hasn't is the core appeal of a paper dedicated to conservative values, interesting voices, unique perspectives, and a sense of fun. Check out what you've been missing. Get 20% off a one-year subscription to the National Post with promo code HAPPY20. That's HAPPY20. Maura Forrest covers federal politics for the National Post. So Maura, how are the liberals managing the pushback from this coalition of conservative politicians and premiers? Well, I think that's that's a good question. And it's something that we're going to continue to watch, I guess, over the next year. I, I think to date, the liberals have touted a few lines. Um, one of the main things that they've been saying for months now is that Canadians know that pollution isn't free. So they're trying to brand this carbon tax as not a carbon tax exactly, but a price on pollution. I think that's what they would like Canadians to see this as. Not a new tax, but a price on something that we all know is bad. Mr. Speaker, Canadians will be faced with a very simple question over the next 12 months. Do they want to act on climate change and protect future generations or not? It's very clear that the Conservatives are unwilling to take leadership and action. So that's how they're sort of trying to brand this. Uh, They're also trying to appeal to Canadian sense of uh, moral duty, I suppose. 
So, you know, they're they're saying that Canadians know they have a moral imperative to fight climate change and to do what we can do now uh, and that we can't continue to punt this down the road to future generations. So, you know, we have this kind of obligation to stand up and act now. So that's part of the appeal. But on the other hand, they're also trying to appeal to some degree to Canadians, uh, you know, to, to, to people's pocketbook concerns. And so that's where this idea of a rebate comes from. They're saying that, you know, not only will you be doing the, the morally right thing here, but also most households are going to get back more than they end up paying in carbon tax through these rebates that will go out to the provinces that, that don't have their own carbon prices in place already. Why do you suppose it took so long for them to introduce this rebate, knowing that there was opposition to this carbon tax? I think even the idea of the carbon tax long before the feds even announced details was seen as potentially problematic, given opposition in other provinces. Yeah, I think a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, they've hinted for for a long time now that that there would be something like this. It wasn't entirely a surprise to hear them come out with the details of this. But you're right that they hadn't explicitly said until until last month what they were going to do and that they were going to have this rebate. I think there's a couple of reasons. One is that they, I think, were not sure which provinces this was actually going to apply to. So they had given all the provinces until September, I believe, to deliver their own carbon pricing plans. Uh, and then mm -hmm. they took some time to go over those and to assess them and figure out which ones were adequate and which were not. We would prefer to work with provinces right across the country, but if they are unwilling to make sure that polluters pay, we will bring in federal measures to both collect a price on pollution and return that money to hardworking now, citizens. Now, of course, we already, right we've known for a long time that, you know, Saskatchewan wasn't going to have its own plan and so forth. But with some of the provinces, uh, I think they weren't entirely sure what the final plans were going to look like until quite recently. But I think there's also a political calculation here. And I think that, you know, the Liberals want to be in a position of being able to deliver those rebates uh, fairly soon before the next election so that that's in people's minds going into the next election. That yes, there is this price on carbon now, but they also ended up with, uh, with a tax rebate, um, you know, in April sort of heading into the next federal campaign. So I think there was some some strategizing there in terms of when they felt it made the most sense to announce this. And these rebates, they aren't based on your individual carbon output uh, or your your carbon reductions. These are based on like a per capita basis. So even if you cut it, cut your own carbon emissions in your household, you get solar panels and all of that, or even if you don't, you still get the same rebate. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And that's that's sort of part of the part of the pitch i guess part of the selling point here is you know i guess a lot of people will say and i think this is an, an understandable reaction to this they'll say where well if you're getting a rebate then what is the incentive to change your behavior what is the incentive to actually cut your carbon emissions uh, and that's a fair question what the liberals are arguing is that they're saying well uh, the rebates are yeah dependent on the size of your family basically so they're saying you're going to get the same rebate um, regardless of how much you cut your emissions. So they're saying the incentive is still going to be there to reduce emissions because, you know, you're going you're gonna to be in a position of being able to save even more money if you decide that you're going to get a more energy efficient fridge or you're going to use your hot tub less or whatever it is. 
Uh, so they're saying, you're, you know, you're still going to get that same amount of money back. So you're going to be in a better position financially if you still try to find ways to reduce your emissions. This is kind of one of the last big tent poles of Justin Trudeau's election campaign from 2015 that we've yet to see either succeed or fail. He talked during the 2015 campaign about reducing uh, government deficits, and that hasn't uh come to fruition. He talked in the election about electoral reform and how it was going to be the last first past the post vote that Canadians voted in. And that hasn't come to fruition. Um, and it seems like other than legalizing marijuana, this is one of the big marquee pieces of his campaign that he's getting to. Um, does this hurt him or help him? Well, I, you know, I honestly think it could go either way. I don't think it's going to help him dramatically. Uh, you know, not in the way that legalizing marijuana may do. But I think there's still an open question there as to whether this will hurt him or whether it will largely be neutral. I mean, you're right that the stakes are high here. This was one of the big parts of the last election campaign was that Trudeau offered this kind the grand bargain, right? We're going to build a pipeline, but we're also going to put a price on carbon and take action on climate change. Well, you know, the pipeline mm -hmm. side of that equation hasn't gone very well. This is the other side of it. And, you know, it's, it's still a pretty big question as to whether this is how well this will go across, whether there's going to be, you know, sufficient pushback that they have to try to, you know, modify this in some way. I mean, I think that they are showing that they really want to push forward with this, that they want to make it happen. And they're, I guess, taking the bet that Canadians still you know, despite the opposition that Canadians still want to feel that their government is doing something on climate change. So, you know, they're gambling on that. But I think what with this growing, you know, provincial opposition and the opposition from the federal conservatives, you know, there is a possibility that it could be damaging for them in the next election. Um, I, I think that's still an open question. Now, this, you say the stakes are quite high for the prime minister. What about for Andrew Scheer? The, what are the stakes for him in this? I think the conservatives see this as a big opportunity. I think they see this as something that they can, that they can win on. Maybe not necessarily win the next election entirely on this, but they think they can win the battle over, for public opinion on this issue by painting it as uh, a, a tax that's going to hurt average Canadian families that's not going to significantly reduce emissions and that is essentially just a, a tax grab by the federal government. Small businesses that are the backbone of this economy will face higher fuel costs and higher heating costs. They think they can sell that message effectively. They think they can win Canadians' uh, support on that file. I don't think they see it necessarily as the one issue that's going to decide the next election. I think they see the next election as being more broadly about affordability, whether that's housing affordability, you know, deficits, etc. I think they see this as being one piece in that larger affordability issue. But I think they do see it as something that will help them in the next election. And how do they kind of weigh the argument that it's going to hurt families and take money out of their pocketbooks when Canadians are potentially going to be raking in uh, decent rebates. You know, they've been saying for a long time that this is just a tax grab. When the rebates were announced, they accused the Liberals of trying to buy votes with this, uh, with these rebates. So they're they're trying to kind of have it both ways. But I think what they are banking on is that 
the rebates won't stick in people's minds. I think, um, you know, polls show that after the rebates were announced, support for uh, the carbon pricing plan uh, increased in, in several provinces, increased quite significantly in some. So it did have an impact. But I think they are betting that that won't last. They're betting that what will stick in people's minds is that this is a carbon tax, that they're paying more. They only get the rebate once a year, but they're paying the carbon tax every day. And I think they're banking on Canadians uh, just being less swayed by the rebate side of this than by the tax side of it. Once a year, hey, politicians should learn if they want to keep people happy, they just need to be giving us a steady stream of (laughs) money. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is there a concern that by having this even loose coalition of premiers, some of whom are very strong personalities, that Andrew Scheer could get overshadowed in this debate? You have guys like Jason Kenney and Doug Ford out there who, you know, they have a lot more cachet, especially in their own provinces, uh, over the conservative leader. Where does Andrew Scheer fit in this group? And how does he, in a sense, become the leader of this so-called resistance movement? Yeah, I think that's such an interesting question because, you know, I bet I haven't done a poll on this myself, but I bet if you asked a lot of Canadians, who do you see as being the main figures in Canada who are resisting carbon pricing right now? I suspect a lot, a lot more might point to Doug Ford and, and perhaps Jason Kenney than would point to Andrew Scheer at this point. Because you're right, they're they're loud. They're Doug Ford certainly is very bombastic, and Andrew Scheer may kind of struggle to get his message across in in quite the same way. I think for the federal conservatives, I think for the provincial conservative leaders who are opposing this, it really makes sense for them to kind of band together and work together to some degree. I think the federal conservatives, Andrew Scheer, is trying to keep maybe a little bit more distance there. I think they want Canadians to feel, you know, they want to remind Canadians that, in fact, you know, Doug Ford and Jason Kenney can't defeat Trudeau. Andrew Scheer can. So they want to remind Canadians that the only person who really can have an impact here, who really can repeal the federal carbon tax is Andrew Scheer. So to them, it's a little bit less advantageous to be seen as just, you know, one part of this broader coalition. They really want to be seen as kind of, you know, apart from that, you know, really being the leaders on this. And I think they, yeah, there's a little bit less incentive there for them to be collaborating very, very closely with the provincial leaders on this. But there is a risk there for Andrew Scheer that he gets overshadowed, as you say, by some of these provincial leaders. So that's something he's got away. I mean, in the end, if it helps him get elected, I'm sure he's happy to see guys like Brian Pallister and Scott Moe and Doug Ford and Jason Kenney all hammering pretty hard against Justin Trudeau's carbon tax. It takes some of the heavy lifting off his plate. Oh, for sure. One key, th- one key thing for him, though looking at the next election, if he's going to say, I'm going to get rid of this liberal carbon tax, it's going to hurt Canadian families, people are going to ask, well, what are you going to do then? Are you seeing any inkling of a climate plan from the federal conservative party? And if not, when do you expect we may see one? Yeah, well, that that's the question, I think, for the conservatives at this point. You know, they, they've said for a while now that they're working on their plan but they're not giving away a ton of details on it. Uh, you know, all they'll really say is that it will not include a price on carbon. It won't include a carbon tax. But you know, they're they're staying fairly tight-lipped about it. Aside from that, if I had to bet, I would say that whatever they come up with will involve some kind of 
uh, increased regulation maybe on heavy emitters. I, I think that's the most obvious alternative to a carbon price, but, but we don't really know at this point. And I think that is deliberate on the Conservatives' part. I, I think another thing they're sort of betting on is that Canadians want to feel that their government is doing something on climate change. You know, it, it matters more to people than it did 10 years ago. So, you know, they mm -hmm. want their, you know, even a conservative government to be doing something on climate change, but they're less concerned about what it is than that they can just say there is a plan. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds as we march toward October 2019. Maura, thanks very much for your time. Well, thank you. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Special thanks to Maura Forrest and Tyler Dawson with the National Post. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.